0: To dream with Debbie Dashinger. Welcome to Dare to Dream. This is Debbie Dashinger. Today's show features another Debbie, Debbie Solaris, who's a galactic historian, ET contactee, Akashic Record, Starseed Guide, and Starseed Intuitive the dare to dream podcast has been nominated for two people's choice podcast awards for a webby award we recently won the coalition of visionary resources best podcast and radio show award in denver and were listed in Welp magazine as one of the top 20 best podcasts to listen to this year i want to thank our our wonderful folks who support us every month and that is our sponsors, Dr. Dane here and Access Consciousness. They do beautiful energy work out into the world. You can take a course. You can become a facilitator anywhere in the world. Go to Dr. Dane here, H-E-E-R dot com or Access dot com. I'm Debbie Dashinger. I run a visibility media hub. I teach people just like you how to write a highly engaging book. I also have a fully done for the author international best-selling book launch program. And the third wheel of what I do around visibility is show you how to be interviewed on radio and podcasts with massive results. I've got a five-day challenge about to open up for only $19. If you wanna learn how to be interviewed, highly recommend it. Lots of folks are signing up and for good reason. I'm gonna show you the system in five days how to do this. Just go to my Facebook page, Debbie Dashinger, and you'll see the details there and I look forward to working with you. So today we're talking with Debbie Solaris, ET contactee, interdimensional traveler and galactic historian. Debbie awakened to her true star lineage and higher calling through her ancestral connection with the Akashic Records. She's been receiving downloads of galactic historical information, and universal spiritual knowledge ever since. Debbie offers visually appealing media, multimedia-rich classes on extraterrestrial life and culture, galactic history, and ancient civilizations, as well as starseed and lightworker enrichment workshops in the Front Range area of Colorado. Debbie is also a certified Akashic records reader and gifted, intuitive, using information channeled from her Arcturian and Pleiadian guides to heal and assist others on their own spiritual journeys. To learn more about her, go to her name, debbysolaris.com, it's D-E-B-B-I-E-S-O-L-A-R-I-S.com. And I welcome the amazing Debbie Solaris to Dare to Dream. Great to have you. Great to be here,
1: and it's great to connect with another Debbie. I love it. Absolutely. So, yeah. So the Debbies are um, are on the, in the house today. So Debbie
0: and Debbie show today. We're yeah. definitely delivering. Yeah. Um, speaking of names, thank you. Yeah. Solaris, which Solaris. means pertaining to the sun or hmm. solar. Is that your real name?
1: It is not my real name. Uh, I have a whole story behind how I ended up with that name. Uh, I I used to uh, I, I used to work for public health in um, in El Paso County, which is in uh, in Colorado, in Colorado Springs, and I didn't want my managers and co-worker knowing that I did this kind of woo woo work on the side. So so I came up with an alias so they couldn't research and find me online under my real name. So. Um, So the way we came up with Solaris was a friend of mine did my astrological chart and I'm a sun sign Leo and the sun is very prominent in my chart. So she suggested Solaris and I thought, okay, that sounds kind of catchy, you know, so, so I've I've been going by that ever since for my professional name, but my real name is something completely different. So, um, so, it's just uh, just because I wanted to stay anonymous, <laughs> I guess, this is why I came up it's with that. It's so thing.
0: catchy. And I love that story. Yeah. And then you mentioned that you were working in public health, but initially, years ago, you worked in the military. You That's were also correct. in the IT industry. Right. And this is all before you had the awakening. Mm-hmm. So, how was it for you? How was that transition going from being one being? And then having something significant happen and coming out on the other end.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, that that was a wild ride, I tell you what. It was wild. Uh, I was a very unawakened, very ordinary, non-talented, um, I don't know, just unpsychic kind of person. <laughs> you know, I mean, just a very, very, um, I guess, 3D kind of person um, before my awakening Um uh, and I had kind of a very dramatic awakening. Like most people they're on the path for like 20, 30 years, you know, they're, you know, slowly getting into the extraterrestrial realm of thing, you know, spirituality, but uh, with me, it was very dramatic. Uh, um, So um, as you mentioned, I I am a military veteran. I was in the Navy for six years, uh, served as a hospital corpsman um, slash preventive medicine tech. uh, And that's how I got into environmental health as my career. I also worked in the IT industry for a few years. Uh, I was a technical writer and um, um, instructional designer for a few years there and uh, had a very kind of ordinary life. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I was brought up, not really, we didn't really talk about paranormal stuff. We didn't talk about UFOs. I didn't have any exposure to this until I started dating my now uh, husband um, who is into paranormal and into ufology so um, he actually got me exposed to this but even then i was very skeptical you know i didn't really believe that you know ufos existed um, i thought it was some sort of natural phenomenon that was unexplained uh, so, um, my, um, awakening started in, uh, May, 2012, uh, when I had my own extraterrestrial contact experience, uh, and it was very dramatic. Um, I, I have to say that my experience was very life-changing. I mean, I just did like a complete 180. I went from being a non-believer to being a total believer, you know, so, um, So I, um, so in 2012, um, there was a lot of changes in our reality. There was a lot of personal changes I was going through and a lot of transition. Um, and, uh, I was really concerned about the state of our planet. Like, where are we heading towards? Uh, why are, do things seem to be getting worse instead of better, uh, So I sent out this massive prayer to the universe. I mean, I just sent this prayer out, uh, asking for assistance for planet earth. And I sent it to every single high dimensional being I could think of, whether they be Jesus, mother Mary, uh, the angels, you know, galactic brothers and sisters. I didn't care. I was just like, you know, get it out there, you know, send it masters, you know, so, uh, and i didn't hear anything for 2 weeks i was just like okay you know another prayer i had that didn't really have an answer to it but um 2 weeks after i sent out that prayer i had a minor back surgery it was like a laser surgery and then i i a few days after that i you know went to bed as normal and when i came to i was in a completely different reality i was in i when i kind of came to I knew that I wasn't in a dream because everything was so crystal clear. It was very real. I mean, it's like it's like when you're in the higher dimensions, colors are more brilliant. The details are so sharp. I mean, it's hard to explain. It's like you know, it, you know, it's like HD TV, you know, high definition TV, but even beyond that. I mean, it's like super sharp, uh, very, very crystal clear. Uh, and it's like you could see auras and colors around everything. And uh, I knew I was on board some sort of a craft. It was some sort of a starship. And I, I wasn't afraid. I mean, I just kind of was taking in, okay, this is a craft. Uh, and then um, I had encounters with extraterrestrial beings. I found out later they were Arcturians from Arcturus. I didn't even know what that was until you know and it felt like I was on board the ship for a very very long time so uh, they answered a lot of my questions it was very uh, benevolent I didn't feel like I was abducted so much as I was a guest on their ship like I was just there um, to have my questions answered to get activated on some level Um, I had encounters with other extraterrestrial beings on this, on board the same ship. Um, and then, um, when I came to, I was, it was the next day, you know, in my bedroom. Um, so I kind of went through this whole experience. I was back in my bedroom and I knew at that point that life was never going to be the same after that. You know, it was just like, somehow I had completely changed and, in, in what way I didn't even know back then. <laughs> but I, but I completely changed. And uh, I was definitely a believer after that. So, so that's just my story in a nutshell. I, I know we have an hour. So I'm trying to keep it relatively short. Were quick. those
0: people, do you know, the, uh, aboard this spacecraft, were they family? Were they how, what is the connection? Why that starship?
1: My understanding is that, um, and I didn't know this, I mean, I always thought I was 100%, you know, earth human. You know, So, so uh, and I, you know, I come from Italian heritage, you know, so, you know, so I, you know, I knew that I was Italian, you know, but I never knew of my star lineage. And uh, evidently, these Arcturian beings told me that I was from, I was part of their family, you know, that I was, I had volunteered to be on earth and that because of my prayer, they, they, they realized I was ready to get the next level of information and that I was here to be on a mission, you know, on a mission to share information to, to the people of planet earth. And they even told me like something crazy. Like I came from a long line of Arcturian Uh, scientists uh, ambassadors and uh, um, and uh, teachers I think it was something like that it was like teachers uh, um, so it was kind of like wow I came from this you know really elevated uh, group of beings um, and uh, and they even showed me genetically how this all connected even on earth like they they showed me a ship crash landing in central Italy, like um, in the, during ancient times, and it was a, it was an Arturian ship, and they had started the Etruscan civilization, and and that my my physical lineage came from that, and so it was just amazing, you know, it's just so oh, so much detail, you know. So
0: how did your relationship uh, with your husband change? So you come, you have this awakening, and yeah. you're a non-believer in a relationship. Yeah, a man who's totally into ufology. Oh, totally. Yes. So what it must be amazing for both of you now.
1: At first, he didn't believe me. He thought I was having a crazy dream. But um, but then he um, he started realizing, I guess, as I was sharing my story, I I didn't actually share my story for two years. I think um, Mm -hmm. I don't think I really shared my story publicly until maybe 2015 or I think it was around a time when I was um, starting to take a lot of spiritual classes and I was starting to meet people. And um, and there was a, uh, um, a group called Paranormal Talks that um, asked me to present in Denver, you know, my story as part of a panel of ET contactees. And wow. I was really afraid. I was like, oh, God, I don't know if I want to do this. But... Um, but I agreed to it and it totally, uh, I I would say propelled me towards my journey of being, you know, this ET contactee representative, but getting back to your question about my relationship with my husband, I would say it definitely brought us closer. Um, it definitely, uh, it felt like at that point, uh, we were on a mission together, you know, Mm -hmm. that we were, um, you know, we had, we had a soul contract to be like a spiritual couple that was going to help expand consciousness on the planet. So, um, so it did, it did have a positive impact on our rel- and still has to this day, we still feel very connected. Um, and for many reasons, but most, but, uh, but especially over, you know, our, you know, our desire to see Ascension happen on the planet. So, um, so great question. Thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I relate to that. My partner is the one who brought me mm-hmm. into this because I was same, complete non-believer. And yeah,
1: yeah. So you were, you were similar to me then, it sounds like.
0: I yeah. didn't go on a space ship. I so, would have yeah. loved that. Yeah. But something turned. And when it turned, I just became a sponge. Like I, I still am. And so I'm going to ride this. I just feel like it's all divine. I truly do. Things had to happen before this for me awakening. Yeah, gotcha. And you yeah. were mentioning about your prayer, mm-hmm. the ascended masters and the angels, etc. cetera. And you included Jesus, Mother Mary. So let's talk a little bit about Yeshua. Uh, Yeshua, mm-hmm. if I understand, was a ninth dimensional galactic being. Mm-hmm. Is that true? And if so uh, which planet was Jesus and Magdalene from? Oh,
1: interesting. Yeah. I have like a whole, I got a whole download over that one day. And, uh, and I love sharing the story because it made so much sense to me after, you know, cause you know, as I went through, uh, I was somebody that went through, uh, a lot of training, uh, spiritual training, uh, because I, I went to a Christian university. So I took, I took a lot of Bible classes. So I've read the Bible several times. And now I was always kind of wondering like, you know, these beings, you know, I mean, these, these, you know, these biblical figures, they seem so advanced, but yet they live such humble lives on Mm -hmm. earth. How could that be? You know, um, you know, how did they get this information? You know, how were they able to, you know, transform reality, you know, during their lifetimes. Uh, um, so because of my access to the Akashic Records, um, my understanding with Jeshua is that he is a ninth dimensional ascended master. He's connected mostly with the star system of Sirius, okay, this which is, which is in the constellation of Canis Major, uh, Mother Mary is actually so he's but he's kind of like a Syrian Pleiadian mix um, because Mother Mary is actually from the Pleiades star system. And the star system that she's specifically from is called Pleione, which is a very kind of little known um, star system within the the Pleiades cluster. You know, so the Pleiades is like a cluster of stars and uh, Pleione is a very tiny little um, system. It's kind of off to the periphery of this cluster and it's closest to Atlas, which is another uh, one of the Pleiadian stars. But Pleione was um, set to be a sanctuary space. It was always a place for Pleiadians to spend time there. So it, it, it had very little technology, very little um, sense of civilization. It was mainly just a place for Pleiadians to go to to heal and to to work on their spiritual connections, you know, or their spirituality, and so and it was a very kind of beautiful, peaceful star system. Uh, so it made sense that Mother Mary would have this kind of energy. Uh, now Mary Magdalene, on the other hand, uh, she uh, connected with Yeshua through Sirius, um, and my understanding with her is that she represents the highest order of the dark so she kind of comes in with dark and um with dark feminine energy but but um and i don't let me see if i can quantify that to a point where it makes sense so i'm not saying that she's a dark being but i'm what i'm saying about her is that she's actually has an anunnaki lineage so Mm -hmm. which is kind of bizarre okay Mm -hmm. but it actually makes sense because she's representing the highest order of the dark and Je- Yeshua's is representing the highest order of the light. And then they're combining together to have this integration of the divine feminine and masculine, also the light and the dark. And, uh, Is it
0: like yin yang put together? Yeah, totally.
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way. That's a great, uh, I would say description of it. So, um, so they're kind of representing kind of the, the integration of these polarities that are being, becoming integrated. So that's why it was their relationship was so important on planet earth. Uh, so she's representing a lineage, one lineage and Yeshua is representing another lineage and they're coming together, which is really kind of, kind of beautiful. And I think that's what we're gonna be seeing here on earth is more of an integration of these polarities to where it becomes more well integrated. Um, right now, Earth is kind of struggling through a lot of, I would say, you know, opposites. You know, where you know there's man men against women. You know, there's uh, Democrats against Republicans. <laughs> there's you know, uh, you know, uh, white people against black people. I don't know. It's just like a bunch a lot of polarity. Of duality. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So duality, a duality consciousness and um, Yeshua and Ma- Ma- Mary Magdalene represent the love consciousness, the Christ consciousness, the coming together of all these polarities into a sense of oneness. And uh, um, and I, I don't believe that Yeshua actually died during the crucifixion. I I think most likely um, he survived that and ended up in India and you know studying with the Buddhist monks and with the and with the, the Hindu gurus. Um, so he spent like thirty years in on earth after after the so-called crucifixion, um, studying you know uh, you know these other religions, integrating and uh, eventually, um, and I think they talk about this a little bit in the Da Vinci Code. I mean, there, you know, some of that, some of that information is actually quite accurate, but um, it kind of like kind of romanticized it a little bit. But um, but it was actually quite accurate. So I, so I do think he had an impact on planet Earth for quite a while. Um, I do believe he's an ascended master. Um, his Syrian name is Sananda. Uh, I think that's been you know, mentioned, you know, a few times by different, different folks. Um, and he chooses to to incarnate to help expand consciousness when the time is correct. Uh, it almost seemed like during the time that he was on earth, uh, uh, like the messages that he shared were very beautiful, but it seemed like the messages got very corrupted, you know, uh, yes. through through groups that wanted to capitalize on it and uh, wanted to control people, you know. Um. Let me
0: ask you, so here here they are from other star systems. Yeah. Coming to Earth, part, yeah. of, part of the mission. Yeah. But why religion? What is their connection to religion? Hmm.
1: You mean to extraterrestrials or? Uh...
0: Specifically to Yeshua or Sananda and to... Magdalene? I
1: think that was the vehicle in which they could share their message. Uh, I don't think they really were on board with religion as, I mean, even Yeshua, I think, had its butted heads with the religious leaders of that time, you know, because, you know, they had all these rules and regulations, and he was saying, all you need to do is just love your neighbor, you know, (laughs) it's not that complicated, you know, Uh, you know, because they were just making it really convoluted. Um, But, Uh, I think it was more in the, in lines of, it was a vehicle for them to share their message in a way that people would be receptive to, you know? So if he would have just gone out there and said, you know, screw religion, you know, I'm just going to share my message. I think it would have been more difficult for the peoples of that time to accept what he had to share. So they, they used it mainly as a vehicle of spreading information. Um, but actually, my, when I was on board the starship with the Arcturians, I asked them a lot of questions about religion because I was brought up Roman Catholic. And I was always, always really confused by religion and just seemed like there was a lot of. I don't know, just incongruencies with, them, with you know, okay, God is love, but yet God punishes people all the time. I don't, you know, I don't understand that, you know, but, uh, but what they told me was that religion was a man-made construct, that in the higher realms, there is no religion, you know, they have a direct connection with source. They don't need, they don't need this kind of middleman to dictate to them what they should believe, you know, it's all about, our own individual connections with source. So, um, so when they told me that it was kind of mind blowing for me at the time, because like I said, I went through a Christian university, I was raised Roman Catholic, but, um, but then it made a lot of sense. And I was like, I I was finally at peace, you know, with, okay, now I I feel like I can be spiritual without having to align with a specific man-made religion of some sort.
0: Amazing. I'm, you know, I'm thinking, actually, such a strange thought, but it's making me laugh. There is, a, you know, in the medicine world, the plant mm-hmm. medicine world, there is something, I think it's called iboga. Mm. And um, it's iboga, iboga. I haven't done it, but it's apparently something that you take mm. and you, you lay down for like 32 hours. I think you're awake and you don't want to move much because yes. it can make you feel nauseous. However, for those 32 hours sort of in and out, it vacillates, you apparently are connected with something very powerful, your higher self source, and you can ask any question. And people say it is profound. And then there's Debbie Solaris, who doesn't have to do all of that and just sits I just down get and tap in like that.
1: Yeah, Ooh. no, I just kind of tap in and get crazy information. I don't know. so cool. uh, yeah, no, actually, my husband and I tried DMT once, and it was a wild experience. It wasn't as wild as ayahuasca. I mean, a lot of people have done that, but I've done it. Yeah. 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 Um, but it, it lasts like maybe 10 minutes. You're like in this, you know, alternate, you know, consciousness, but my, my experience was very profound. Um, my husband got scared and was fighting Mm -hmm. against the, the, you know, I guess the colors and the, the images that came through. Mine was very, very profound. Uh, I, I saw a lot of sacred geometry, um, definitely the colors, but, um, I actually saw Egyptian gods. I don't know why, but, um, but not the, not the well-known ones. It was more like Sobek or the hippopotamus goddess. I mean, it was like, um, that was my first trip. And then the second trip was, um, uh, I, I did two trips, but, uh, the second one was even more profound where I was flying through multiple, uh, pyramids, and I was flying with Horus, the god of the the sun, you know, was the the son of uh, Osiris and Isis. And, and uh, Horus and I eventually flew into uh, the sun, and it it just expanded into multiple suns, which is kind of interesting, because my last name is Solaris, which is represents the sun, right? So, so for some reason, in that trip, I was connected with Horace. So mm. I, I don't know if it's a past life thing. I don't know if it's, you know, just the the archetype. Okay, I'm gonna
0: book a reading for you with Debbie Solaris so she can tell you.
1: Yeah, so you no, know, it'll be it'll be kind of, uh, yeah, so I, I I like to work with archetypes a lot. Um, I'm, I'm very, I've always been interested in mythological stories and uh I I, I integrate like a lot of different modalities into my Akashic readings um so I might be bringing in numerology or the twin flame journey or um or astrology I mean I just kind of integrate a lot of stuff but um but it's just to bring some sort of sense of meaning to just the extraterrestrial galactic history, you know, so Mm -hmm. how does that connect with us? You know um, that sort of thing. But thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. (laughs) I don't know if I'm, if I know all the answers, but I'll try to get, I'll try to get something usually.
0: I think when we get to the second half of this, people are going to really see, I mean, the information you pull in is it's very impressive. And oh, thank you. Thank you. Wonderful for, for these folks, for all of us who are so, interested. And before I get to that, I'm curious for people like us who would really like to contact extraterrestrials or interdimensional beings, do you have advice for us on how to proceed, what to look out for, etc.?
1: Uh, so this is kind of a multi-pronged approach, but, um, I know when I was trying to connect with my higher self, my higher guides, my star family, they were, they were always telling me to meditate. And I was like, okay, that's kind of ordinary. And I was like, whatever. Um, And so I said, I hate meditation and my guides are crazy. Okay. My guides, uh, Arcturian guides, they'll, they'll make, they'll, they'll make you do crazy stuff. Okay. So. So my guys were like, okay, you hate meditation or well, we're going to send you to Crestone, Colorado to spend time with the Zen Buddhist monks. So you can really learn how to meditate. And I was oh like, what? <laughs>
0: and
1: I was like, what? what are you telling me to do? And so, so they told me to do this. So I was like, okay. So I booked, you know, um, some time with the Zen Buddhist monks, my, my, my husband and I went and we both for several, for five days, meditated with the Zen Buddhist monks every evening and every um, morning, you know, so, so we learned proper meditation techniques. Um, meditation um, is probably key to connecting with your inner self, your inner self in your higher self is is part of the galactic realm. So, so your inner self will will usually have some sort of representation of okay, maybe they're connected with with Lyra, or maybe they're connected with Arcturus, or Pleiades, you know, or whatever system that you connect with. Um, So that's a good way. Uh, Keeping your vibration high is key. Your guys do not want to have to drag you from the ground and pull you up, okay? They want you to try to meet them halfway. Um, So so it's kind of funny when I was first starting off, they were telling they, my guys sent song messages, so that, so they were sending me songs like "Higher Love" by Steve Winwood, you know, and uh, "Keep Going Higher," or you know, uh, I don't know, it was just crazy, crazy songs that had the word "higher" in it. So, um, so they would keep on telling me to go higher, 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 and and I didn't understand what they meant until oh, they meant vibration. Oh, okay, so. So there's many ways that you can raise your vibration, um, and a lot of it is keeping away from things that will bring down your vibration. I think humans, um, a lot of us humans, are naturally high vibrational, but we're in very toxic environments that pull our vibration down. So, so we have to be very conscious of what we surround our environments with, you know, and that includes. Um, food, uh, you know, water, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, entertainment, you know, so a lot of it will have an impact. I tell people don't watch TV anymore because there's a lot of subliminal programming in, you know, mainstream TV. I I can hear it a lot of times. So I have a hard time watching TV shows because I can hear the subliminal programming and it bothers me. So I can maybe do 30 minutes and then I'm like, Oh no, I gotta, I gotta take a break, you know, but, um, but especially mainstream news, um, a lot of subliminal programming on that. Um, they're designed to keep our vibrations down. So, uh, uh, clean humor helps a lot. So I know when I start feeling down, I'll just, um, Watch some really clean humor, just start laughing. And that always brings my vibration up. So there's real easy, fun ways you can raise your vibration. Um, the other thing too, is setting intention. Um, I think part of my prayer story was about setting intention. Like, you know, I wanted, I wanted to be part of a solution to the planet's problems, you know, so I wanted to be of service and, um, I think extraterrestrial guides and extraterrestrial beings, uh, really like it when we are other focused, you know, when we're wanting to be of service to others, that's when they're willing to connect with us more rather than, Oh, I just want to meet you guys. Cause I'm curious, or I just want to meet you guys. Cause you know, you're, um, so I can tell, you know, interesting stories to my friends, you know, um, if it's ego focused, they're, they're not so apt to connect with us, but when we become other focused, when we want to be of service, um, then they're more apt to connect with us and, you know, really develop a relationship. So, um, so I don't know if that's along the lines of what you were looking for, but, um, but that's how I, how I approach it anyway. Yeah.
0: Great. So humor and meditation with the Zen Buddhist monks or...
1: Yeah, Zen Buddhist monks, yeah. Um, there is actually a Zen Buddhist center in Crestone, Colorado. It's, and it's an amazing place. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's like... Uh, my my husband calls it the land out of time. It's like time stands still when you're in Preston. So it's actually quite similar. The energies there, it's kind of like within an energy vortex, very similar to Sedona, but um, not as commercial as Sedona. It's very backwoods. I mean, it's very, um, I mean, it's just a small little town, nothing fancy about it, but the energies there are amazing.
0: You do a lot of work with older blu-rays who you call first wave volunteers so these are people who are in their 60s and 70s and this comes about in your akashic work with the indigos can you talk about who the blu-rays actually are and how somebody can identify themselves as a blu-ray oh that's a really really
1: interesting question thank you um I do work with all, all generations. I um, actually work quite a bit with third waivers as well, as well as second waivers. But um, uh, but I think the reason why uh, the first wave are attracted to working with me is because I'm I'm of their generation, you know. I'm a I'm a I'm a first waiver myself, you know. I'm kind of tail end of it, but I just kind of squeaked into the first wave category, I guess. But um but I, I think it's because the relatability factor of it. Um, I think Shakina Rose, um, she's a, a sound healer out of Sedona, and she does a be- she she does a lot of work with Blu-rays. Um, I I like to work with Blu-rays because um, I understand their story. I mean, a lot of them are awakening much later in life. You know, they're having they're feeling like they're having to catch up. You know, so. So I relate to their story because I didn't awaken until I was fifty years old, um, uh, or a few months, be, a couple of months before fifty. Uh, um, I'm now about to turn sixty in um, in uh, on in this month in on next next Monday. You know, it's on Monday I'm turning sixty. You know, so it's been a a decade of this wild ride into spirituality, but. To answer your question about Blu-rays, most Blu-rays are star seeds that are coming in with a very sensitive energy, Um, super sensitive, super psychic, super empathic. Um, Most of them come from the Sirius and Pleiades star system. We'll get a few from maybe Andromeda or from Arcturus. But I would say the vast majority of them are aligned with Sirius and Pleiades. Um, most of my first wave, we're actually doing a study on this right now. Most first waivers are Lyra, Sirius, Pleiades lineage. Um, uh, a lot of second waivers are more Arcturian. And then third waivers, we're seeing a lot of, um, uh, of Andromedans coming in. Um, and, and there's reasons for that. But um, so these folks are the way showers. They're the ones that are laying the foundation for the ascension process. Most of them are healers, teachers and spiritual guides. Um, they're not system busters They're not system builders. Um, they are here to be healers, they're here to be guides, they're, they're teachers. Um, and so they don't carry the same tech, uh, technical abilities as, say, second wave and third wave, you know, volunteers, you know, starseeds, you know, so so that's why second wave we're seeing, you know, okay, there's a lot of Orion and Arcturian beings coming in, you know, star seeds coming in. And then with third wave, we're just seeing this, gosh, I mean, it's like a lot of Andromedans. Oh my God. It was like, um, Andromedans are very technical. So it makes sense that they're system builders. They're going to be coming in the third wave. Um, but yeah, Blu-rays, I have a special, um, I have a special connection with Blu-rays because uh I understand there's their journey. It's, it's, it's a different, more difficult journey. Um, I think than second or third wave journeys, because they've gone through a lot more programming. They've gone through a lot more conditioning, you know, because they were born in the fifties, you know, forties, fifties, and early sixties. Um, and uh, they're having to fight all this programming to become awakened. And so, and they tend to become more awakened later in life. So um, a lot of times they're feeling like they're playing spiritual catch up. Um, But a lot of them do quite well once they're on the journey. So uh, they do, and they do amazing work.
0: So let's talk about galactic history to start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of star seeds and earth volunteers feel this resonance with ancient civilizations like Atlantis, like Lemuria. What is the significance for us regarding Atlantis and Lemuria? Oh, that's
1: interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I can go into a lot of galactic history, the backdrop of that information, but I think I'll start with, um, I guess I'll just give this background kind of an over overview. Okay. So earth is a living library. It was always meant to be a composite of of DNA from many different star systems. We're at least 22 as far as my understanding. So the, so Earth has been influenced by 22 different star races, uh, including Draco, including Zeta Reticuli, including, um, you know, Sirius C. I mean, we're talking about a whole combination of stuff. Okay, so, um, so there was um, extraterrestrial beings who were visiting Earth Um, even before Atlantean and Lemurian times, uh, trying to colonize Earth, you know, just trying to see, you know, bringing in DNA from their systems, seeing if it'll integrate on planet Earth. Um, So that's why we have so much diversity here on Earth with environments, you know, plants, animals, humans, everything. Um, uh, Lemuria was the first civilization that was developed in by extraterrestrial beings. So these were civilizations that were founded by extraterrestrial beings. Um, uh, but Lemuria was more um, founded by Andromedans and Arcturians. OK, so this was in, this was a colon, colonization in a continent that used to exist in the Pacific Ocean. So there used to be a big continent in the middle of the Pacific Ocean called Lem- Mu or Lemuria. Um, so, Lemuria it was supposed to be a representation of divine feminine energy, it was supposed to be um, n- um, low, low technology, high spirituality. It was the only civilization on Earth that was truly fifth dimensional, so that we had fifth dimensional reality with Lemuria. The reason why they didn't integrate a lot of technology was because they were all about. The, the setting of intention, you know, like, if you set intention, you should be able to create anything, you should be able to create your reality. Okay, and that's true even today, you know, I think even today, we can set intentions, um, you know, there's the law of attraction, the secret, you know, all those, um, all those, uh, those, you know, lines of thought, you know, that are revolving around this. Uh, so Lemurians didn't really feel like they needed much um, technology, you know, because they didn't really need it. They were able to create whatever they wanted. Um, The civilization was very kind of Polynesia-like, so it was very kind of free-flowing, you know, it was very, um, it wasn't, I I don't know, there was very kind of magical aspects to their civilization that we didn't see with Atlantis, okay? Um, Now, Atlantis was developed as A representation of divine masculine energies. So everything that we create as far as duality follows the divine masculine, divine feminine template, because that's, that's the, the initial splitting of source was as mother goddess consciousness and father God consciousness. So that's why we see, you know, this polarity between masculine and feminine energies. Um, and we see that even throughout galactic history, you know, even off planet, but, um, Atlantis was created to be, and this was founded by Syrians and Pleiadians and Lyrans. Um, It was supposed to be high technology and also high spirituality, okay? So they're integrating more technology, but um, Atlantis got infiltrated by, um, I would say, malevolent um, Maldekian and Orion factions. That were escaping Orion or escaping Maldek. Maldek was a planet that used to exist between Jupiter and Mars, and now is the asteroid belt because they blew themselves up. Okay, um, so these factions were trying to integrate Earth, um, and they they corrupted Atlantis. Um, that's why Atlantis eventually fell. You know, and so did Lemuria. Actually, Lemuria also fell. Egypt was kind of like the integration of these two energies. So. Um, A lot of starseeds feel a connection with Egypt because many of us have had past lives in Egypt. Um, Many of us as starseeds either started off in Lemuria or Atlantis. And then um, when that got destroyed, we started having incarnations in Egypt. So um, I would say more so than any other ancient civilization, um, Egypt is the one that when I connect with somebody's records, I'm like, holy crap, there's another life in Egypt, you know? So, and, and many of us were priestesses or healers um, because uh, we're coming in with this um, very sensitive energy, very empathic energy. And many of us um, come in with, you know, skills in these areas. So, so we were always part of the clergy or part of the, the Spiritual, you know, uh, realm, you know, in those times because that that's, those are the skill sets we come in with. But um, but I do get a fair number of star seeds that are also quite technical. So um, so we have that as well. But um, so that's a galactic history or at least uh, Earth history in a nutshell. <laughs> these ancient times, uh, and we're talking about you know, I mean, I think Earth history as far as the timing of it, I think it's all off. Um, uh, Lemuria existed tens of thousands of years ago. And so did Atlantis and uh, Egypt existed, you know, I think, you know, the, the Sphinx was supposedly built 10,000 years ago, not five, 4,000 years ago. Like what, what archeologists tell us. So, um, so I think earth is much more ancient than, than, you know, what history would like us to believe, so.
0: Is there an important connection? Are a lot of us here who were in Atlantis? Who were in La Maria? And is there oh, totally. some connection? Yeah.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, I think Edgar Casey um, talked about this. I, I'm a big Edgar Casey fan. I mean, I love I love Dolores Cannon. I love Edgar Casey. They're like my predecessors. Okay, so I'm hoping you know whatever in whatever way I can help um, keep keep this uh, this work going. You know, so that's kind of how I see it, but. Edgar Casey uh, did a lot of work on, on people in the United States during the turn of the century. This was last century. Okay. Um, and, uh, during the, during the work that he was doing this healing work, he discovered that a lot of people had past lives in Atlantis, you know, it was like, wow, it's like every other person I'm doing readings for, you know, or doing, you know, this, you know, work with, you know, this healing work has a past life in Atlantis. Um, my understanding from his work and also what I've seen myself in the Akashic Records is that a lot of us that have had past Atlantean lives um, chose to incarnate specifically in United States, Canada, or, and or Europe, because those were the civilizations that are the most like Atlantis. There's, actually, United States is called the New Atlantis. Okay? Um, so whatever karmic situation that we created in Atlantis, we're supposed to be able to work through today and reverse our karma, or or, or close a carm- old karmic loop, or try to reverse the mistakes that we made in Atlantis in this lifetime. So um, so a lot of us are coming in with connections to Atlantis. Uh, I do get a fair number of folks that also have connections with Lemuria. Um, it's not so much karma with the Lemurians, uh, maybe a little bit of it, but um, but it's more about recreating that divine feminine energy that Lemuria is supposed to represent. So a lot of us that have had Lemurian lives like myself, um, we're trying to really get earth into this, this um, push towards the fifth dimension, because we're trying to bring in this divine feminine energy that's going to propel us into a more spiritual age, you know, on, on this planet, uh, where we're going to see the age of enlightenment, you know, come, come to pass. Um, And I think it's just around the corner. I mean, a lot of people ask me, do you have a timeline with this? And I said, yeah, I think it's going to happen within the next 10 years. I mean, I think it's, we're going to see a lot of dramatic changes on planet Earth. Um, wow, that's exciting to hear. <clears throat> yeah, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm on board with that because I don't want to be here and not see the Earth ascend. Because, because yeah. um, I, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I mean, you're doing the work too. But it'll be nice to see the fruition of all our effort. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And the
0: question that you asked of the universe back in 2012, I think it still pertains, you know, it's very worrisome. So to hear you say that, I think we're all aware. This can go a couple of different ways. I think those of us who are spiritually aware can feel like the underbelly is continually being exposed, painful as it is, but in order to ameliorate it so we can move forward. So that's wonderful. And, and very interesting. So, I want to talk about Antares, which is the brightest star in the constellation of Scorpio. Mm, it's about yeah, one hundred thirty-six yeah. light years away in distance. Mm-hmm. And Antarians, I understand, are mostly non-physical.
1: Yeah, they are non-physical.
0: What is the Antarian energy? What are they oh. about?
1: Yeah, uh, I just did a reading for uh, a person who is actually from Antares. I, I rarely get star seeds from Antares. I, I, occasionally, I do, but. Um, but these are very high vibrational folks, usually, I mean, um, uh, but Antares is a portal, okay, so it is an actual star, and it's a it's a huge orange-reddish star, um, and it is the major star in the constellation of Scorpio, like you mentioned, and uh, it's very close to galactic center in our galaxy, so galactic center is between Scorpio and Sagittarius, so there's that that space between, and if you see on my my wall there, there's a big blue square, that's my star map. So mm. galactic center is right in the middle of that. But um, but it um, it was a portal. So it's, it's one, one of two major stargates in our galaxy. The first one being Antares, the second one being Arcturus, which is where I'm from apparently. But, um, but the, these two stargates have very different functions. Uh, Antares is a portal, so it connects the Andromeda galaxy, which is our mother galaxy, with the Milky Way. So our galaxy was actually created by the Andromeda galaxy's soul family that decided they wanted to create a um, kind of a simulation of their galaxy, but something that was slightly lower dimensional so that they can... Um, It could hold frequencies that would would, would sustain physical life, you know, whereas Andromeda galaxy is too high vibrational for that. Um, But these were co-creator beings that created stars and nebulas and planets, okay. Uh, Now these beings came, uh, that created the Milky Way, came in through the Antares Stargate to help propel this experimentation of separation from source descent into physicality okay uh about the ontarians my understanding about them is they were very high vibrational beings initially they kind of present themselves as mantid type beings they're not necessarily um human looking at all um they look more mantid or like mantis insectoid beings um at least that's what they used to look like does that Um,
0: mean that they're healers
1: they are healers. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. healers and they're, they're gatekeepers. So they maintain the stargate. Okay. Um, uh, and, and only the highest vibrational beings can go, can pass through um, Antares. Uh, now Arcturus, everybody can pass through Arcturus because Arcturus is the stargate of souls. Okay. So Arcturus is the stargate where souls are processed after an incarnation. So they get prepped for the next incarnation, you know, so, it, so when a soul decides to incarnate into a physical realm, regardless of whether it's on earth or, or the Pleiades or someplace else, they're going to get processed in, um, in Arcturus, which means that they'll, they'll go through a life review, they'll, they'll work with their guides on, you know, what, what goals are they going to set for their next lifetime? And then they get a choice. Uh, usually they'll get a choice of several different timelines or lifetimes they can choose. Um, Earth people kind of got stuck in a false reincarnation matrix for many, many thousands of years. So they were never I've heard able to. that
0: before. What does that mean Exactly.
1: Um, my understanding is there was malevolent beings like the you know the elites or the reptilians or whatever you want to call them, the deep space. Um, they created this false reincarnation matrix where they were using um, human energy to feed off of. So they didn't want humans to evolve. So when they would die, they wouldn't go to Arcturus. They would go towards the false light. And then they would just get recycled into another human life without going through a proper life review okay Um, and uh and this was happening with humans for thousands upon thousands of years Um, my understanding is that my this false reincarnation mat uh, matrix is being dismantled so humans that now pass away can get processed properly in arcturus but um so it was like totally um to me this seems very, I don't know, horrible because you're you're dealing, you're infringing on people's free will and freedom, you know. Um uh, you know, these souls, you know, these souls don't never get the chance to evolve. They'll never get the chance to, you know, to choose, you know, the type of lives that they want to have. Um so I'm glad to hear that's being dismantled, but um, Uh, but the Arcturians um, actually do help these souls be able to evolve with each level. So each incarnation, um, that's why Arcturians are such great spiritual guides and teachers, because we help these souls to evolve to that next level with each incarnation. Um, Sorry, I kind of went off on a
0: tangent there. That's really good. So outside of what you just listed there? How else have the Arcturians assisted Earth as gatekeepers, or gate- oh, gatekeepers? Yeah, they are higher realms and dimensions. Uh,
1: Arcturians have always been kind of the prototype of what um, Earth humans are ascending towards. So, um, so they've always had kind of an interest in the evolution of planet Earth, but um, but they were always kind of like teachers and guides you know so i think a lot of arcturian starseeds they come in with that kind of ambassadorial energy of mm. i'm here to be a teacher or a guide or you know or you know on some level but um but the other thing they came in with is um they are the keeper of the akashic records my understanding is that's why i have such a connection with the akashic records because they, uh, my guides told me that I have a, a ancestral connection with it but um, but uh, but but so they they maintain the records um, and they're kind of like the overseers of the project the earth project so they're making sure that things don't get off the rails too much you know so they they try not to intervene too much but if if they but if things are kind of getting off the rails they will intervene and and try to assist to keep things more balanced. You know, okay. So that's an interesting question, but thanks.
0: So Andromeda, another place that you mentioned earlier, Andromeda Collection, <clears throat> I understand that there's at least 28 different races of beings. Mm-hmm. Some are humanoid, some are not. Mm-hmm. What do the life forms on Andromeda include. Oh gosh,
1: um, there's so many that I, I, I don't even know all of them personally. But because um, usually when I'm doing Kashic readings, I'm reading for people that are of Laran heritage, you know. So, you know, so they're mostly humanoid. But my understanding is that there's non-physical beings, light beings, that are Andromedans from Andromeda galaxy that also settled in the Andromeda constellation. They have amphibian beings. They have um, they have different beings that are not necessarily humanoid. But I, I know about the amphibians. I kind of call them the sea stars. I don't know the Andromedan sea stars, but um, I don't know, It's just they're kind of like uh, their Andromedan version of a, a mermaid, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that. But um, so they have amphibian beings. They have um, gosh, uh, not really. Um, elementals i guess they have some elemental fairy-like beings uh but there's um and there's even like a variety amongst the humanoid types you know so depending on what star system a humanoid species might live on might determine what their appearance is um
0: right. is it the also like etheric and plasmic conscious life forms oh totally
1: totally yeah it's like there's like crystalline beings there's there's beings that are plasma-like. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it, there's so much variation in Andromeda that that we, as Earth humans, have a hard time wrapping our minds around. Um, and they don't
0: have prejudice there. Everybody's accepted. Everybody's... Every, accepted.
1: Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it's a very evolved civilization. Oh, boy.
0: Sounds it's like, like question, women, it?
1: when it's a matriarchal society. Women are, there's a lot of women that are in that are in positions of leadership they're re- really highly respected so a lot of Andromedan starseeds come to earth and they're like well I'm not going to accept some man treating me like crap you know it's like, You know, so um, they're very independent types you know they kind of do they kind of follow the beat of their own drummer kind of thing and they don't like to listen to authority a lot of times. So, Interesting. Uh,
0: yeah. Adromedan- uh, How do you say this? Andromedans? Uh, Andromedans yeah. Andromedans are two basic earth types. And for people listening who might be curious, like, is that me? Can you talk about the distinctive types?
1: Yeah. um, There's the Andromeda Galaxy folks that um, they're ancient souls. Um, I kind of have this belief that I think we're all from Andromeda Galaxy, like at some point, like we all kind of went through this massive evolution. But I have some folks that really carry that frequency, you know, so they're, they're, they're still connected to that Andromeda galaxy frequency, and they're, they're usually love to work with, with energy, these are, you know, energy masters, okay, Um, and manifestation masters too, Mm. Uh, so, um, um, so they come in very, many different human variations, you know, it's kind of like, it's hard to really pinpoint when it's more from the frequency. Uh, Usually they have really bright auras and they're, and they're very forward thinking people, but they're also very devoted to the mission, you know, so they will have multiple incarnations on earth. Sometimes, you know, they just kind of have this uh, love Um, they have, they're they're coming in with this great love of, of evolution, you know, that they're wanting to be a part of it. Um, uh, the other group, Andromedan group that we see a lot is the Laran Andromedan group. So these are the, the Andromedan humanoids that were, um, descendants of Lyran refugees that escaped Lyra during the wars. Okay. So, so Lyra went through this, this horrible war with the Draconian beings from Draco. And then, um, and then these beings, um, that escaped, some of them ended up in the Andromeda constellation. Their physicality changed a lot when they were in Andromeda because the environmental conditions there were so different. So mm-hmm. um, so they became a kind of more elongated. They became kind of a uh, very kind of lanky looking uh, blue skinned because there was a lot of copper on their planets. Uh, so everything they ingested had a lot of copper in it. So their skin turned blue. Uh, Um, And they have a very distinct look. I mean, it's very kind of ethereal, kind of otherworldly, but human looking. Um, They say that Andromedan women were supposedly the most beautiful women in the galaxy because they were so otherworldly looking that, you know, they just carried this unique beauty. Um, And a lot of my Andromedan starseed women are indeed very beautiful. You know, they they, they have a lot of physical beauty along with inner beauty, but, um, uh, but, um, they even more so than Pleiadians, I think a lot of people think that, oh, well, Pleiadians, they, they're so physically beautiful and they are, don't get me wrong, you know, but Andromedans are even beyond that. So, um, so a lot of, yeah, a lot of interesting correlations with these star races, uh, a lot of us are all connected. We're all connected to each other. We all came from source, you know, we're all uh, different iterations of source energy, you know, having various expressions of ourselves throughout multiple lifetimes. So um, it's always kind of interesting when I do a reading for somebody, they always think, oh, maybe I'm, I'm just from the Pleiades. And I was like, oh, no, Pleiades is just one place you're at. Like, you're in many places, you know, so, mm-hmm. so I help them kind of pinpoint maybe the star systems that had the most impact on their soul journey, mm-hmm. but, so there might be some people that identify more with the Pleiades, some that might identify more with Arcturus, or with um, Orion, for instance, but uh, but we've all, our, our ancient souls, and we have all gone through many, many different lifetimes, and many systems, So um, so our stories are quite unique, and and interesting.
0: I love that because I used to always think, you know, here on Earth, we have something like ancestry.com. Um, yeah. You can find out your basic lineage on Earth. Very yeah. basic. Yeah. And that doesn't interest me. It's like, where can you do the swipe for the galactic history? Oh, yeah. I, well, I think that might
1: be our junk DNA, right? What they call the junk DNA. I think that's all probably extraterrestrial DNA that. I know our scientists don't have the a capacity to identify yet, but it's interesting they call it junk DNA. It's like that's not junk DNA. That's that's probably our galactic DNA. So um it's really
0: psychoactive
1: at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like let's get let's get that activated so we can we can really meet our potential here on Earth. Um
0: you mentioned the planet that I'm most fascinated by. Lyra. lyra the band that i'm in that i sing in is called lions of Lyra or lyra
2: no i'm, I'm into fearful.
0: it so yeah. the first two races that were created in the lyran star system were feline and avian yeah that's right races. yeah that's right yeah can you talk about the felines and the avian and what they were like their qualities of being or gifts
1: no sure I'd uh, love to um uh, Yeah, I'm fascinated with those groups too, even though that's not my lineage, but I I love it. But um, my understanding is that um, we live in a multi-universe reality where um, each universe goes through this separation from source. We go through this evolution of becoming more and more separated and lower, lower dimensional. And then we return to source at some point. So it's kind of like an inverted bell curve where we're just going down, 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 and then we keep going, then we go back up. Um, and Earth is kind of like point zero. So Earth, we're at the lowest point right now. So so we can only go up from here, right? So, um, uh, but getting back to your question about um, Lyra or Ly- Lyra, um, Lyra uh, was created to be the backdrop for physical reality here in our universe so um, so these beings that were the co-creators of this physical reality actually came from other universes that had completed their cycle you know so so feline beings actually you know the ethereal feline beings came from a different universe so did the ethereal avian beings you know so so they were coming in to create this new reality here in our universe and uh, and but then they started creating physical versions of themselves you know so initially they were etheric beings you know they didn't have physical bodies but then they were creating physical versions of themselves that looked feline or they looked avian you know um, and they were incarnating in these forms, uh, in order to be able to experience physical reality. Uh, so this created a race of beings that, um, eventually became hybridized. So they kept creating versions of different versions of themselves. So that's why sometimes you'll see depictions of lion beings in Lyra that look very lion-like, you know, but then you see other versions of beings that maybe look more humanoid but they might have some feline features but they're not quite as feline looking because there was quite a few they were creating constantly creating um, versions of the cells that were going to be able to sustain physicality longer and longer because what was happening with these some of these feline groups is that they were evolving too rapidly so they had to they had to hybridize themselves so this is where we created uh, the two human races, which was the white Lyrans, which was more the Caucasian version. And then you had the blue uh, Vega people from the, that lived around the star system of Vega, which is one of the biggest star in Lyra, uh, which was more of a blue skinned race of people, you know? So, so a lot of darker skinned people have Vega genetics, you know, so so they have dark skin because their, their genetics came from Vega. Um, a lot of us that are more Caucasian, you know, we might have genetics that came from Lyra, you know, so um, the other parts of Lyra. So uh, but yeah, um, as far as the felines, um, they were very high vibrational beings. They uh liked to express themselves physically. They were very physically strong beings, very muscular beings very um, ethical, very high ethics, very, um, uh, very spiritual beings, very wise beings. Um, Same with the avians. Um, The avians uh, were a little bit more elusive. Um, They were, uh, they had a, a, they were not quite directly involved with the genetic project. So that's why we don't see quite as much avian genetics amongst, you know, humans, um, uh, as, as much as the, uh, the, the, the feline beings were, but, um, but they were also there, you know, as a part of this create, this creation of the physical life here on, in our galaxy and in our universe. So, um, so yeah, fascinating, um, fascinating question. Thanks.
0: Excuse me. I've got a quote from you, Debbie, which is birds here on earth are a gift from the higher dimensional avian beings to help regulate our electromagnetic atmosphere. Can you break that down a little bit for us?
1: Yeah. Um, so a lot of these beings, um, when I was talking about this earth experimentation project where we were, um, you know, bringing DNA, like our ancestors, our uh, galactic ancestors were bringing DNA to the planet, uh, They always had a tendency to create um, other versions of themselves, like lesser versions of themselves. Uh, The felines did it with, you know, a lot of the the cat races, you know, that you see here on Earth. Uh, You know, reptilians did it with the dinosaurs and then the reptilian, you know, the reptiles, you know, here on Earth. Uh, Avians did it um, mainly through, um, and I do think there's a connection between reptiles and birds but that's a whole other conversation but avians did it through creating versions of themselves um, because avians um are aligned with frequency okay so they're frequency masters okay they they're aligned with that energy um so the birds help kind of regulate frequency here on this earth um and and that's their main purpose uh and we have so many beautiful varieties of birds. I mean, I, I just, um, I'm, I personally am a bird lover. I i, I love that, it, you know, here in my house, I can put out bird feeders and see all kinds of different species of birds, but, um, but it was almost like we couldn't have uh, the electromagnetic uh, regulation without um, the integration of these beings bringing in this energy. Um, Cat beings, on the other hand, are very physical. You know, so they they're more of the physical world. Uh, I kind of feel like with uh, with avians, they're kind of like more. Um, they're kind of like a bridge between you know the the ethers and and the and the physical. So um, so all all of these uh, creatures all play a part. They were all created for a purpose. Um, and I think once humans realize that and we start respecting these beings. Um, I think things will be a lot better here. It'll at least be a start anyway. I'm sorry. I can't hear you.
0: Sorry. Are there seven to nine foot tall winged humanoids existing in higher dimensions? And if so, who are they? Mm, Okay. Um, Yeah. Those beings um,
1: are part of the angelic realm. Uh, I really believe that, the, the Elohim that was talked about, you know, that create, helped create Lyra and that were, you know, part of the, the creation of this um, universe uh, are actually very connected with angelic beings. So I think they're one in the same. It's just like you have like uh, like one family group and another family group, you know? Uh, but, um, but yeah, I would say they're angelic. They're from the angelic realm. Um, They're mostly messengers of source, um, but they're also they they have a vested interest in humans because um, we were actually created in their image, you know. So so when they when humans were created, they created us to look like them, um, which I think is really beautiful, honestly. I mean, I would rather believe that than that we descended from monkeys, you know, okay. And I have a hard time with that, that belief, but sorry, Darwin, I don't believe that. So, um, uh, so when, in the Bible, when they talk about how we're creating man in our image, I don't know why I had this quote in my head this morning, maybe Mm it's for this podcast purpose, but, um, we created man in our image. Um, they were creating us to look like them. Okay, so the humanoid form, the two arms, the two legs, the head, um, it's a common form that we see throughout multi universes because it's a form that works. Okay, it's a form that represents what we are um, as higher beings look like in the higher realms. Um, So that's why we see so much of it, um, you know, throughout. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have non-humanoid beings we do but even those beings carry some humanoid function features you know like like gray aliens for instance they have two arms two legs um so do reptilians you know reptilians have that you know so so we see different iterations of that throughout throughout the universe but yeah interesting question
0: uh, i cannot wait my reading i have to wait six weeks seven i weeks.
1: know i know but
0: Uh, it'll be perfect divine timing timing yeah that's what everybody
1: always tells me they always say
0: oh i had to wait so long but then it was like oh the timing was
1: perfect it was like the right time you know so 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 for those of you that want to have a reading with me i do have a long waiting list unfortunately there's only one of me on the planet but trying to get some folks uh, trained to maybe more folks trained to do this work but um uh, but yeah, just go on my website, send a message through the website and we'll, uh, my assistant will give you more information on how to book a reading. Uh, I was happy to get Debbie on the calendar, he got her on. Um, so, uh, and actually that's pretty quick.
0: <laughs> Some people have to wait a lot longer, but, um, Yeah, I was expecting a longer wait. So I was grateful to take.
1: Yeah, you know, career. it was, yeah, it was, it was actually, uh, we were able to find a spot for you. So it worked out pretty good. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, so if you're interested in a reading with me, uh, just go on my website, solaris.com. That's D-E-B-B-I-E-S-O-L-A-R-I-S. Um, if you want to find out more about these different star races, uh, I do have a galactic history section on my website. I also have a YouTube channel with which is um, actually featuring people's readings, but it's a lot of galactic information in those readings. Oh my gosh. Um, sometimes I've I listen to a
0: few of them. It's actually very, very interesting. Yeah. I was tune into one where you, you were uh, reading a guy and you were saying, wow, I rarely get someone like you. I'm getting, you know, from different planets and stars. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah.
1: I, I just am fascinated by people's stories because everybody's story is so unique, you know, even though there's maybe common themes in some of our stories, but um, but everybody's story is so unique. And we've all had interesting soul journeys, you know, so. Uh, um,
0: you I love artists- the reading that I heard with this yeah. gentleman because. At some point he was saying like, this is crazy and here's why, and this is amazing and here's why. there was so much pertinent to what you were sharing that was relating to his life. And I thought, you know, that's powerful stuff. That's good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. And, and, and I don't really go into the readings with any preconceived notions. I just kind of let the Akashic records guide me. And sometimes I'll see some weird stuff and I'll be (laughs) like, okay, I don't know why the records are showing me this, but I'm going to share it with my client and then it's it just like a light bulb goes off and they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're telling me this. You know, yeah. I get those kind of aha moments all the time with the readings. So.
0: Um, Yay. Uh, so we have, we have something to look forward to in seven weeks. Yeah, No, I'm looking
1: forward to connecting with you again. That's for sure. it will be fun. Yeah. It's fun to see your story because I'm sure it's fascinating, but. Um,
0: I hope so. I hope I don't disappoint my, my, uh, my genetic readings here on earth are incredibly boring. I'm like 99% European Jew. It's like, whatever. Oh, <laughs> so wow. I'm looking forward wow. to something galactic, much more fascinating that- Oh, I'm sure it'll be quite a bit. Explain all this.
1: Yeah. I'll Explain Debbie Dashinger. Yeah, so, exactly. um, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I did the 23andMe test and I always thought I was a hundred percent Italian, but I was only 70% Italian. Yeah. And Everything else was a mix of a bunch of Mediterranean people like uh, Greeks, um, Turkish, uh, Egyptian, I don't know, Middle Eastern. I don't know. It was a mix. So I was like, OK, I guess I guess I have something a little interesting in there. But um, um, but I did I did get 70 percent Italian, but they kind of broke it down into different regions, too, which I thought was really cool. Um you know, so I was like, oh, "Okay, I guess I'm from everywhere in Italy." I don't know. <laughs> so
0: yeah, it's interesting. Same. I did another one on uh, 23andMe as well, and and I did think it was, I, uh, by the way, much the same for mine. And rather than Italy, um, just Europe in your Europe. Europe, yeah. But the other population was also Middle East and Spain and Iberia and so forth. Yeah. And I it just made so much sense because those are the places I love to go to.
1: Oh yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I, I love the Mediterranean too. So um, can't wait to go back. Uh, it's mm. been a few years. So. Um,
0: so anyway. Debbie, what do you next year to dream? What are your future dreams and goals?
1: Oh, wow. That's a great question. That's a great question to end with, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I guess um, what I dare to dream is, uh uh, helping people to awaken their own um, galactic gifts. You know, so my my next iteration is um, right now. I'm offering a webinar on uh, mastering starseed health, which is going to be July 31st. So, um, so we're doing a, a three hour webinar on that. Um, so I'm trying to help people to improve their lives, to tap into their galactic heritage and optimize it rather than working against it, you know? So that's, so that's the whole purpose of this webinar. Um, so we're gonna be offering Starseed um, enrichment webinars like that. I also want to help train people on how to do their own Galactic Akashic readings. Um, So we're going to be training on that next year. Um, I was hoping it'd be next this year, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think it'll be next year. But it's going to be just a multi-layered course where we're going to be training them on galactic history and how to tap into the records. And it's going to be quite extensive. So I think people are going to love that. and I, I hope to get out there more. I, I've been featured on Gaia a few times. Um, so um, I, I will be continuing to have my, you know, wonderful relationship with Gaia TV. But, um, uh, but I hope to get more information out there to, to people and um, to help people really connect to their star lineage and their star connections. So, uh, but thank you for that.
0: And people who are saying, I want to do this health webinar, or I want to be trained in Galactic, Akashic Records, et cetera, is DebbieSolaris.com the best place, or is there a specific URL?
1: Um, I would say just go to my website. The, 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 um, even if you just subscribe to my website, um, actually on my homepage, you'll see the link to find, you know to get more information on the webinar if you're interested in doing that. Um, I have other trainings in my training page Uh, we're just we just got two other ones right now but we're going to get more as we as time goes on but um uh but yeah just i would say subscribe to my website and you'll get the information firsthand beautiful
0: thank you so much for coming on the show today thank you this has
1: been great thank you so
0: much oh this is wonderful and um we'll definitely see you soon i end today's show with this quote from marco peralta We are light, experiencing the densest dimension and the broadest range of emotions, only to learn compassion. Subscribe to this number one transformation conversation, Dare to Dream with Debbie Dashinger. Leave a comment and share. I read them all, and thank you in advance. Next week on the show, I'm going to be featuring Rachel Fiore. She's a spiritual leader. She's the CEO of Masters of Self University. Rachel Fiore is a mystical coach and a channel for sacred wisdom. And for those of you who love healing and love music, I invite you to a sound bath by our band, Lions of Lyra. It's breathwork, it's meditation, it's a musical journey, and it's very healing. You can go to lionsoflyra.com, monthly sound baths, so if you sign up there, you will be notified. Mostly we do our sound baths in Los Angeles. However, we are asked often to go to other states. So when we do, we send you a notification. Again, it's Lions of lyRA.com Love to have you aboard for that. For those who are listening to the podcast and wanna see us, go to YouTube, youtube.com slash Debbie Dashinger to enjoy myself and my guest. Thank you for joining us. And remember everything Debbie said today about lifting your vibration and the many ways to do it so that your guides can have very easy access to you to help create your dreams.
2: To contact the award-winning syndicated Dare to Dream radio show, go to debbiedashinger.com Keep your excellent feedback and comments coming. Your host, Debbie Dashinger, is an expert at goal achievement, a media personality, an international best-selling author, and a keynote speaker. Debbie leads high-quality teleseminars on how to achieve goals, how to be a self-published best-selling author, and how to get booked on radio. All classes are at DebbieDashinger.com. Debbie's best-selling books are Dare to Dream, this Life Counts, sold on Amazon, and her second book, Wisdom to Success, The Secrets to Accomplish All Your Dreams, sold online at all bookstores. Tune in again to hear the next inspiring interview guest who has turned their vision into a successful reality. Want more support in making your dreams come true? Go to debbydashinger.com. That's www.debbiedashinger.com. D-A-C-H-I-N-G-E-R dot com. You'll see videos, MP3s, archived interviews, and amazing products sharing the secret steps to making your dreams come true. Remember to dream big with every expectation that your dream will become real. Dreams are free, so free your dreams. What do you dare to dream?
0: I'm standing now, waiting for my time to be all that I can be. It's easy to forget.